Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or any other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So, grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. Hey guys, what's up? This week we uh, arbitrarily, I suppose, uh, added part two. So don't lose your salvation. <laughs> Wasn't necessarily uh, intended from the beginning. No. But we're working still in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 and trying to close that out as we look forward to uh, kind of, we're still finishing Hebrews, but we're going to be revamping our series in, in chapter 11. But this week, the big kind of components that we wanted to, to look at here is this aspect of looking at this warning again, because this isn't our first rodeo in Hebrews of warnings. And saying, who are the recipients again? What's the nature of the warning? What's the consequences for failing to heed? It's just general good, you know, reading skills. <laughs> Something we we're talking about in our classes. But then uh, the extra piece is this time particularly of uh, a good reminder that fear is a good and fine motivator. And then it's a question of loved or dreaded. What shall it be? Yeah. yeah. I think for me yesterday, man, I, that's what I mentioned in uh, communion, that hand of the paw picture we have talked about used forever but the i the opportunity for the rationalization of being able to say what my hands are on the plow mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm doing the thing like i know people can rationalize i know i rationalize but that picture for whatever reason was just a really big deal for me yesterday of how of being the person on the other side and saying, but you're not, you're not, your hands are on the plow in name only. Like, yeah, you're not doing the thing. Yeah. Just because you, you think you're engaged in this doesn't mean that it's, that that's what you're actually doing. Yeah. And particularly in a faith and from a savior who calls for you to give everything to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, we yeah. can unpack some more of that, but I know you've got some, some other things you wanted to share today. Uh, well, I mean, that's at the top of the list. Cause I, you know, uh, again, Pink's list of um, uh, the the four steps that precede apostasy. Yeah, it was huge. Was just I found really helpful, and hopefully really helpful for for all of our people. Because again, you don't just go from great faith to to no faith. Um, and so understanding like that that's where it's going to start. Mm-hmm. So it starts with someone who is whose faith is. Uh, working itself out in love and good deeds. Yeah. Um, and from there, it's then I'm starting to turn around looking backwards, mm-hmm. uh, longing back, you know, for Egypt. And, uh, you know, I think even that, though, even so, you have degrees among the steps, uh, the continuum of steps, but then within each step, you have degrees as well. Sure. And, so, you know, you, you talk about someone like, well, you got your hands to the plow, well, in name only, mm-hmm. but you're, well, even that's like on the extreme side of that step. Yeah. Because you might have someone who's got their hands to the plow and, and they're working hard and they're doing lots of good things, but they're glancing backward. Sure. Yeah. They're just, it's just a passing thought. And then a passing thought turns into daydreaming mm-hmm. and then daydreaming turns into plotting. Mm-hmm. And plotting turns into acting. Yeah. Right? And and now you you spend all of your affections 
and your desires and your dreams looking backward mm-hmm. um, while still plowing and moving forward. And, and I kind of have like two visuals for there. I think of uh, maybe you said that, I don't know if you said this on Sunday or said it recently, but like when you're learning to drive a car, where you look oh, yeah. is where you will steer toward. Mm-hmm. So that's why like when you have, at least the way I was trained, when you have someone coming at you with their brights on, yeah. you don't stare into the brights. Nope. Right, uh, you you kind of like basically kind of watch the white line along the outside on the of right the, side on the right side, <clears throat> but then but then also I was thinking like um, like when you're swimming, mm-hmm. you know, for those of us who who I mean can swim to save our lives, but we couldn't swim to win no kind of race, yeah. you know, because uh, our our strokes are terrible and you you know and you got one arm that's stronger than the other, and uh-huh. so you close your eyes and you start paddling and you got good stroke but that's not even and so you end up swerving to the left you yeah. know or swerving I did that to because the right of the, because of the breathing <laughs> i would yeah. lift my head to breathe through that side and i would short stroke on that side yeah so. so you've got your you got your hands to the plow well the thing is is the more you look back the more you're going to start turning back mm-hmm. and you know i this well i mean to add a third one to you i just got done doing two hours of this and i hear it at least three times a week in jiu-jitsu is that where the head goes, the body follows. So if I want to move yeah. someone in a direction, all I yeah. have to do is make them look that way. Yeah, we did the same thing in wrestling. Yeah. If you can control the head, you control the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. So if if your eyes, which, I mean, your eyes more unique than even your other senses, like your nose and your smell um, and your sense of touch, your eyes have such a unique... The scriptures say uh, it's like your gateway to the soul. It is. So if your eyes are continually taking in the, the, the sin and flesh and worldliness behind you, then, then you will eventually turn that direction. Mm-hmm. It will control you. Yeah. Um, it will move you backwards. And um, so like I was thinking, just to maybe put some flesh on this, like so you're going to church, you're serving, you know, in the nursery, uh, you're, you're here most of the time. You're even at home group most of the time, uh, but you you spend some of your daydreaming about the things that you left behind you. Um, and and the thing is, is what we have to be really careful is that could even be like a good thing. It, sure. it could be, you know, maybe you want um, success in your career, or maybe you want uh, a nicer house. I mean, those are those are not necessarily bad things. Um, but you're longing for them in an inordinate way mm-hmm. where it now begins to uh, kind of like the tail wagging the, the dog. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's where most of us are going to face our danger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, hand to the plow, um, but looking back all the time. And, you know... I think it's an important component to recognize... And reinforce how there is no secular, sacred, sacred, <laughs> secular. Let me try that again. Yeah, well, it should just, just call it, we'll just call it all secular. Secular. <laughs> there is no secular, sacred divide. What is called secular? You. That's that. I just, yeah, we'll go with that word. New word. Because if, if in the outline you just gave, yeah, I'm doing those things, but I'm giving five other days to looking at something else. Well, if that looking at something else isn't oriented towards the glory of God, well, then it is you making a divide that should not be there. Yeah. 
And now all of a sudden you have five days a week, six days a week with your face firmly planted in one direction. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not pulling you. So we're not saying that your work at the church is what makes you sacred or, or your serving here is, is what has to be. What we're saying, though, is that if all of what you do is not for the glory of God, then you're looking back. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great. If you're not looking at this hand of the plow thing as, um, you know, to use our phrase, I'm taking the next acre for yeah. the glory of God. Um, you know, as a woman, I am taking the next acre of my household for mm -hmm. the glory of God um, and moving these things forward, then um, uh, then then the question is, is what is its uh, purpose then? Mm -hmm. And if its purpose is not the glory of God, then that purpose is going to drive you, and then eventually that whole purpose is going to overtake all of your being. Yeah. And that's the that's the danger. That's what James warns here. against. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, like, uh, in those steps of uh, towards apostasy, so looking back, drawing back, turning back, falling back. Yeah. So the 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 part we talk about, well, this is just too rigorous for mm -hmm. me. Like this is just too much for me. And what I've seen um, is this rejection of the law. And I know we've talked about this. We've hit on this quite a bit recently as a church. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but. The it is just to reiterate, it is never law versus grace. Yes, that is a false um, dichotomy. Mm -hmm. That's not the it is always someone's law. Mm -hmm. And and even though I didn't have that language, I remember back when we were teaching um, the family shepherds class at Alpha Baptist Church, which is actually where United yep. Awakening is now at, yep. at that church. We used that building a handful of times for, for band practices when we were early on planting, uh, which is super uh, awesome uh, that that's happened. But I remember teaching a class one night, and I remember saying, you know, for those of you who's like, man, it's, it's all grace and you're kind of rejecting the law, I remember saying, well, you're just exchanging it for your law. Your mm -hmm. law is just now, um, well, let's just stay away from that law. Mm -hmm. So your new law is let's just avoid anything that feels like a law. Well, that's just a different law. Not whether, but which. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not which law, or not, not whether you'll have a law or not, it's which one. And so with that, the 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 problem becomes that if it's not God's God's law, then it's your law or someone else's law, and the reality is, is you and I don't have God's grace and empowerment to keep that law, mm -hmm. and that law is oppressive and tyrannical. Mm -hmm. um, but God's law is righteous and just and good. It's mm -hmm. good for our flourishing, and if you're a follower of Jesus, it comes with all the grace and power to keep it. Yep. So with that, where someone who is saying, well, this is too rigorous for me, first of all, just have to understand how stupid of a, of a, of a thought that is. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not trying to move us on, but like, if you tie that, then you lead into this other thing that you talked about of like the hedge. It's like, well, I don't like this hedge, so I'm just going to go through it. Yeah. Like, that's the alternative. <laughs> well, well, this, this, yeah. Which, Give me the cliff. So, so here, here's what I want to say. Here's how it just asinine the idea that this is too rigorous or the pressure's too high or this church expects too much. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're teaching the law of God that Christ perfectly fulfills 
and that we have his righteousness of having completed that law, that now we, by his power and his righteousness in us, get to go live out according to that standard too. Which is the that, whole, he ascended, he's up there, he sat down. Yeah, that, that whole thing. Yes, exactly. It, so if, you, if, if the choice is between that law, of which you have all the power and God's grace to keep, or someone else's law, of which you have no power to keep, you have no grace of God to keep, uh, it's oppressive, it's hurtful, it's not for your good, then to say that God's law is too rigorous for me is absolutely stupid. It doesn't make any sense. It's insane. It, it just shows that you have a very, very fundamental misunderstanding of God's word. Mm-hmm. It, it, it that whole like not it's not uh, whether but which it's not whether you'll have a law but which law is as old as the garden oh yeah that's what we talked about Sunday morning right that that's Genesis 3 mm-hmm. that is are we going to follow God's law or are we going to make up our own law mm-hmm. that was the knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. we can write our own law so so for someone to say, or for, for your flesh, this is why having such a rich theology in these things is so important. Because in that moment where you're like, oh man, this is just hard. Or wow, these elders expect a lot of me. Or wow, this preaching is just pushing me really hard and I feel really uncomfortable. What's the alternative? What is the alternative? And, and well, what's the, I'm telling you what you should do. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, you have the grace to do it all, you do which is what the Bible it. says. It just costs you your life. The alternative might seem easier. For the moment. For the moment. But, but you have no power to do it. And it's a lie. It doesn't deliver what it promises. Right. It will, it will lead you to hell. Mm-hmm. And that that's part of this hedge. Yeah. God gives us these these this these standards and gives us this this protection and this fear mm-hmm. to keep us in. Yeah. To hedge us in, to protect us. That's one of the things we talked about on Sunday morning. We did Genesis 1 through 11. And uh, if you read it for the first time as, you know, with proper reading skills, there's several questions that you have in Genesis 3, right? So the serpent comes and Eve says, no, this is what he said. And then she adds a piece and you're like, no, wait, he he didn't say that, right? And then when they do eat of the fruit, they don't die. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, I thought thought they were going to die. This is a different kind of death. Yeah. It's that death and this death. It's just you start to see these patterns unfold. That's why we call it the pattern of the kingdom. But you, you start to see these patterns unfold of how sin is a lie. It's deceitful, and it doesn't deliver what it says it's going to give. Mm-hmm. And so, the yeah, to your point, the alternative is just go headlong off the cliff. Go ahead. <laughs> And that's what we witness. That's what we watch. And it's really, I mean, it's painful as a shepherd to to see sheep just go flying over the edge. Yeah. Um, it, because I'm me, I have to bring up Lord of the Rings. It's like watching Aragorn go over the edge, right? He's tied into that Where'd horse. He go? Yeah. And he's gone. And that's it. And you go and you look over the edge and you don't see him. And as far as you know, that's it. It's over. And that's I right. think that overness is where we're, <laughs> we should remember, you know, that that is a real fear. Right, it could be over any moment, at any moment. Mm-hmm. You could go over the edge and be done. And so to just fly through the hedge is is absolute insanity. Yeah, yeah. I just why would you do that? Why the alternative is not what you think it is. The grass is truly not greener over. Well, there. It just reveals our overestimation of ourselves to godliness. Right. Yeah. We're God, 
And it reveals our lack of true understanding of the gospel. So when we say this is a gospel issue with people, we mean it. The gospel says come and die. Yeah. Is it, this is too rigorous? Yes, it, it, you have to die. <laughs> Count the cost. How, how much rigorous? Count the like, cost. What, what are you comparing it to? <laughs> Compared to what? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So with that, I think it flows right into this, this next thought is I think because we don't have uh, this healthy fear um, the the world and particularly our context is full of just ridiculous Christians. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, as I said in my uh, you know snarkily in my sermon, you know, this is how you get uh, churches where where Christians chase after fog machines and affirm LGBTQ crap. Like because you have Christians that have no fear of displeasing God. Mm-hmm. And their salvation being found lacking, or their yeah. faith being found lacking. So one thing you did on Sunday is you tied it to the desire and craving of this world. And so not only do they not have a fear of the one who's going to come and he's going to judge with fire, they don't have that fear, and they should. They also have a fear of this world and that they desire its approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking for a church for our family to go to on Sunday in Canada just because I really want to go to one up there and not break our rhythm you know of just yeah. it's lord's day there are none <laughs> <laughs> there, uh, there are none that we could go to yeah i'm serious and it That's is sad. just absolutely crazy looking through these websites and seeing what they're appealing to what they're holding to and i'm i'm willing to like you know go to a presbyterian church or something <laughs> i'm willing to meet people halfway up there there's no halfway. There's not a church we could go to. You know, they're, um, I'm not uh, rebutting you, but there probably is. They probably just don't have a website, and it's probably word of mouth. Well, I s- it should be. It's probably underground up there now in Canada. Oh, well, yeah. That, that's well, I, I sent mean. you the one that had a, uh, it was a Baptist church. And when I went to the Our Beliefs tab, it said, this is a paragraph. If you click here, you can fill in words. <laughs> I was like, that's yes, right. probably what they do every Sunday. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> that's right that's right well that would probably be accurate of most of the churches in this region too oh, if man. you went to their belief play page it should um it should probably be blank yeah. um it should probably be uh please fill in at your will here's when a you're ready here's a crayon yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, next thought. Some of you men are okay with a small leak. Um, I just I just wanted to hit press press the gas pedal on that a little bit more. I always feel that one from the boating thing. Cause, yeah. It was just a pit like, in my stomach of like, see, like, because Adeline went out with uh, her, her mom and grandma on some kayaks and stuff. Now, the water for most of where they're at is like two feet deep, so they, yeah, can, yeah. they can stand and walk. But it's just like, ugh. Like my daughter's out there, you know, and, yeah. and if we were all out there and something went bad, it's scary, but you don't know. Yeah, man, that leak. I just, I don't understand how fathers are okay with the leaks in their homes. Uh, and there's, and this obviously applies to way more than just fathers, but particularly as the heads of your household, like, and you know, I just, just want to say like, so pastorally, here's how I can tell there's leaks can tell there's leaks when I'm preaching and I get nothing but blank faces from people in your household, right? 
that that can like it's it's like a cold dead person is is staring at me while I preach, um, or they're clearly not paying attention because they're zoned into something else. Like man, that's a leak, and you got to go figure out why in the world that leak is there. And 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 to to be honest, you got to understand too that like, that's a pretty big leak. Here's why it's a pretty big leak, because in that moment should be one of the most arrested moments that you experience throughout the week. If there's any moment that you should be alive, it's it's in that moment. And so if you're not alive in that moment, hearing God's words spoken to you and preached to you and sang to you and prayed to you and listened from other people, like if that moment does not bring you alive, yep. then you surely are dead to God the rest of the week. So, so like husbands, man, you got to figure out why, why is, why is my spouse, why are my kids not responding to the word of God when it's being preached and it's being sung? How do they walk away largely unaffected or completely unaffected? Yeah. During the rest of the week when they have to generate it. Yeah, exactly. My teenagers, why are they responding or not responding the way they should? Or, you know, why is that not going as a, you have to go after that. That's a leak. There's a leak somewhere in there. Go, go find it. Um, so the, I think the, the last thing here that I wanted, I wanted to reread this quote from pink. Uh, Sarah and I reread this last, uh, last night as we were thinking about the sermon or yesterday afternoon, but he says, uh, here is the unescapable, let's talk about God's judgment. Here's the unescapable conclusion, which must be drawn from all that has been before us. This word, quote, fearful, end quote, ought to make every trifler with sin tremble. To fall or to, quote, fall into the hands of a, let me back up, my goodness. To, quote, fall into the hands of, end quote, is a metaphor denoting the utter helplessness of the victim when captured by his enemy. The one into whose hands the apostate falls is the quote-unquote living God. And then, uh, and I didn't mention this as I was quoting on Sunday, but now Pink quotes John Calvin. And John Calvin says, A mortal man, however incensed he may be, cannot carry his vengeance beyond death. But God's power is not bounded by so narrow limits, end quote by Calvin, and then the rest is pink. No, forever and ever will God's wrath burn against the objects of his judgment. And that, man, obviously it came out more uh, unplanned earlier in my sermon, but the fact that God's judgment reaches beyond your physical death is, is, man, that's intense, and if we would live as though that that's what we face, if, if we were to turn away, if that hand to the plow looking back turns into a longing back to a walking back to a falling back, that that's, that's, what, we, that's what we face. Yeah, that's not a lifetime of jail. And then it's over. Yeah. It's an eternity of torment and suffering uh, apart from the presence of God. Like that, That's what that is. Mm-hmm. 
because he can outlive and he's not bounded by so narrow a limit such as physical death. He's not. One last thing. The uh, why would we not heed such a warning? And just to reiterate this from the sermon is that some of us, and I think even some of our members are too confident to make their election sure. And what I mean by that is that they're too confident in their faith to go on making sure that they're indeed actually saved. And that's the only explanation I have for those around us who are not truly laboring in the gospel. And what I mean by that, like laboring, meaning serving, reading their Bibles with vigor, investing in gospel community, um, as opposed to investing in um, friends that may or may not follow Jesus, but they're certainly not in the same covenant as them, um, or they're pagans, um, and like that, that, that they're not like really actually giving of their soul to following the Lord. Um, it's because um, they their trust is in some prayer they prayed or their name being on a membership roll or an aisle they walked or the moment they were baptized instead of going on to live, as the, uh, the Peter passage said, to, to add these things, to, to supplement your faith with these things so that you will not fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that submersible thing. It, it, they, there was probably a loose bolt somewhere. There was a leak somewhere. Like someone should have checked something. Probably a little bit better. I mean, I'm speculating here. Oh, well, there you go. Well, <laughs> right. So, so this person who is not laboring to make sure to ensure uh, that they're or, or to, to make their election sure, that person will likely go to hell. And and like I know we all want to end on like a positive note. This passage doesn't end on a positive note. It ends on um, uh, God will have justice. Uh-huh. So, 